What's up, everyone? Tyler Tambaline here, a.k.a. Totag and Tambo. Back for another edition of the Monday Review Show. We're going to go through some of the stuff we looked at last week, some of the lineups that went through last week and won and did well in the tournaments for the Wyndham Championship on the PGA. But first off, introduce my co-host, Mr. TJ Lasig at TJL5124. TJ, what's happening, man? Tambo, good to catch up with you on another Monday here. De- yeah. Definitely a bit of a, of a letdown, this tournament coming off the major. Not, not as exciting to, to watch and yeah. sweat throughout the weekend, but, you know. It is what it is. It, you get the variety there, and it, it was a, a, an exciting finish on Sunday, nonetheless, just not necessarily Jimmy Herman. The, the big name. Yeah, Jimmy Herman. 601, Jimmy Herman, 0.1% owned, I think, in GPPs, even with the, the guys that use, <laughs> as we talk about sometimes on the Lineup HQ show on Wednesdays, you'll see guys that run, you know, 80 guys, or even when we review on this show, we'll go through some player pools, and you'll see some people running, you know, 80 men player pools. I don't even know if he would have snuck into those, but he did get into 0.1%. He was really nowhere to be seen uh, in the, for the most part on the leaderboards. We'll go through that later as well. Uh, how, how was your week overall or what was your feel besides, you know, like you said, the hangover factor was definitely there. I agree. How, how'd your week go otherwise? Yeah. Uh, week was okay. I had a pretty good week on FanDuel despite a Ryan Moore missed cut. If I would have, yeah. if he would have just got through, I think I would have had a really, really good week there. But, uh, and then DraftKings, not, not so much. Been uh, had a little little bit of a tough time there. I mean, Ryan Moore was, was was a big one for me. That was was tough. But uh, yeah, we talked a, a little bit on the Wednesday show. I believe it was Cards and I this past week, and we said, you know, he's getting chalky now. I couldn't believe it because he's one of my favorite picks of the week. You'll see in a second. We decided with this show being free that this week I'm gonna you know show off a little bit of the stuff we were on last week. It's there's there's wins and there's misses. So it's not it's certainly not a brag fest or anything like that. Just want to go back and show you guys some of the stuff we were on. I, I had some great calls, but, you know, it was like you just said, either Ryan Moore or Glover. I mean, between the two of them, they yeah. double bogeyed 18 and bogeyed 18 to miss the cut. So they pretty much missed on the number. Anything different than the, you know, slow start that they had, and they probably would have been through, and you can see it happen. A guy like Jimmy Herman came out of nowhere, obviously, and, and you know, that's why you don't see any real good screenshots with Jimmy Herman for bet, betting tickets or DK or FanDuel lineups, but it's just one of those things. He wasn't really on pace to even make the cut has a good run on that and then goes off and crushes the the Friday Saturday Sunday run that he had was incredible so good for him uh, a lot of other guys up there that we talked about I'm gonna start there you know if we go back to last week the lineup HQ will only show the players that are that are last week and this week even when we click back on the dates so just to show you guys a couple things so for me Doc Redman we'll see a little bit more on him in a minute was certainly on him and then followed up on Henley that was you know two really great weeks there and again, no no bones about it. I'll, I'll tell you, the ones that aren't showing up for whatever reason are Glover and Moore. So that that's what cost me. I, I don't know about what else you had here, but I know, TJ, you had some good calls. Cam Davis was one I, I really came around to by Wednesday last week. Uh, you were on Cam Davis here, and I believe in your article as well, right? Yeah, yeah, I wrote him up in the article. I, I, he's an interesting golfer, right? Because he yeah. makes a lot of birdies and a lot of – bogeys and double bogeys and that's pretty much exactly what he ended up doing this week i think he actually started on thursday double double, double sorry, bogey double bogey. Bogeys. i think it was something like that it no was it was double double bogeys, it was double double doubles because i was sweating yeah. with one of my friends and i was like don't worry this this is what he does like he was, he was gonna make two doubles eventually uh, but I, I just i just liked him in a birdie fest because i thought you were gonna need that that scoring and he ended up turning it on had a pretty ended up having a really nice week with the putter toward toward yeah. the stretch and I think like T15 he finished so even on that front nine I think he still got an eagle and then a yeah. birdie streak is like so it was like he scared yeah. everyone plus four out of the gate then there was that and then there was also the Monday the the slight delay or shutdown that they had to carry over a few of the holes to the morning and everyone was already saying like ah oh, it sucks that Cam Davis is done and sure enough he was not done he, he actually got the job done made the cut crushed it over the weekend and really outscored his uh, you know pricing quite well so I'm not sure what else you had here missed on or hit on but I think it was a a good week overall for that and then I I really like this expert survey I mean it's something I always used even before coming over to Roto Grinders and doing content here but I think that you know a couple things to look at is you know it it gets a wide variety but then you can see where certain guys match up and it's where we make a little bit more of our if you want to call it quote-unquote hotter takes We'll, we'll definitely make some but just to go through I mean you you and I so more was mine didn't get there Webb crushed. I think, you know, I even mentioned when I do my little blurb down here that Webb was the obvious, but that's what this was talking about, optimal lineup. So it made sense. I really was factoring in price, and that's what I mentioned in the blurb below. At 8,100, I thought Moore fit pretty much every build he did. You could get him into any type of build. 
and it just didn't work out this week. But then, you know, a great call with Doc Redman here. Look at us, you know, Billy and Doc Redman, you know, right yep. there fighting in the same group on, on Sunday and, you know, closing out together. Both had their chances down the stretch. Just didn't get it done. I like Glover. Didn't work out. You had Norlander. You know, great, but not a lot to, to talk about overall. Same with Furyk. Your Collie uh, pick was great. Uh, then you go down, you know, who were underweight on. Both of us were Fleetwood. That worked out. Uh, you know, Fleetwood, Kepka. that worked out. Pretty much targeting the same kind of golfers. So we're all just mentioning these things that you guys would see with the core package, with premium, uh, that you could be able to go through and see. Uh, look at this. You know, I got more wrong by a mile, but then Reed and Redmond right after him. And you got Simpson, English, Horschel, all three guys pretty much right up there. So I think it's a, you know, something to look at. I don't, you know, obviously Noto and Cards doing fantastic in their own right always. But I just think it was interesting when I look back at everything you and I were on last week. We did this show. We did the preview. Sort of went about our way throughout the week. And it's just crazy how it ends up. We pick our favorite scores. Who's our favorite bets? You know, my long shot was Redmond 80 to 1 with the T5 each way. That got there. So I got a little bit back from the betting side last week. Not enough to talk about, but it was still there. And then we talk about, you know, trends, top contrarian golfer. So for mine, it was Doc, you know, really liked him. A lot of stuff about him. Yours was Glover and, and he did come Not in so contrarian, good. but it just, it didn't work out. Like you said, yeah, we, we talked about it, it already. The way it goes, you got, everybody liked Webb for the overall. I just said here, you know, I said, I'm going a little bit more contrarian versus the obvious play of Webb. Uh, almost worked last week with DJ versus some of the top guys that was talking about the PGA championship, but I really was weighing the $8,100 price tag more heavy. We knew Webb would probably be up there. It was just, does he pay off? Does he get there on that big salary or the course history narrative? Does that come through again? Clearly it's not just a narrative. It's insane. What he does at this course just destroys it. 66 and 65s all week. Uh, and then you go down with our hot take and yours was Lucas Glover bounces back. Didn't quite get there. Uh, I was then, between a Glover take and a Horschel take. Couldn't, uh, couldn't have been more wrong Horschel on was that. All over, <laughs> yeah. And he was littered throughout your stuff. So, I mean, it was a yeah. great call with Horschel back on Bermuda Really, he had his chances, and I thought, you know, an interesting point, probably Kenny and I will talk more about it when we get into recap stuff on the Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast, but I think the thing with Horschel was he always gets his bad rap, and I know on Twitter he's got everybody blocked, and he goes on and off there and things like that, but man, down the stretch, complimenting Doc Redman on his drives while he's in the mix and making missing some putts of his own, going up and saying just an awesome job to Jimmy Herman after, fake, real, not, I don't know, it looked real to me, and that's all I can go off of, and I just thought it was awesome to see from a, a longtime vet in himself. Obviously, Herman's a veteran in his own right, but uh, cool to see. Billy knew he had it. It was right there. It was his for the taking. He didn't capitalize. That happens sometimes, but he is heating up himself, and we're going to get to the preview for this week later, a, a short one, but he's, you know, back in 2014, was the FedEx Cup champion, and he got on a, on a hot streak at the right time. He looks to be heating up again, so he'll certainly, certainly be an interesting name for this week. Lastly, my uh, hot take of the week was something I'm proud of. Like I said, it didn't work out with either Glover, Glover or more or both in these lineups. But Doc finishes top five. He did. And Hubbard in the top 10, just outside. There was some uh, ties that pushed him out, but he was right up there. And Hubbard was a guy I thought would make a run. So uh, it's just something to know for you guys to follow up. It's not, you know, good, bad, ugly every week, but there's always something in there that you can use. Let's get into this week. I want to note real quick, if it's your first time joining us, all we're using for these recaps is the results DB information, which again is right here on rotogrinders.com. Simply go to PGA, drop down, click Results DB. You're changing the date to the previous Thursday when the tournament was. And then it's loading, but you're going to contests here. Just a little slow to load, but you'll see here now everything in there that you would have played for the week, the buy-ins, the top prizes, how many you were allowed to put in it, how many ended up entering in it. And then you can just go peruse and see what you want to look at, what you want to see, who won what, and then... How did they do it? And then maybe if you see some names up there that you recognize, you know, a, a good tip is always not just to look at the winner. That's certainly what we'll be looking at to see what lineup actually took it down. But then maybe some guys, you know, from around the industry, guys and girls, names that you met, see from, you know, Roto-Grinders members on the forums, folks that are doing content here, like myself and TJ, anything like that that you want to look at, it's all right there to access. I've got it up here already. We're going to start like always, you know, it's one of those things, TJ, first off, what's your thoughts on this? So they, they, Finally get rid of the Millie Maker, which I wasn't even mad about because the payout structure is so brutal at times. And, you know, and you see how that works out. It's obviously a lottery and a gamble, uh, as many of these large field entries are. But they, they now jump it up five bucks to $25, take away the Millie, 
and still have, you know, a structure that's like 500, 250 yeah. or 200 or something. So what, what was your overall thoughts? Maybe it was even 150 actually uh, to second. I can't remember now, but what's your thoughts on that? It's just a weird middle ground. Like I get the millimaker thing and the appeal there, but yeah. if you're not going to do the millimaker, why not have this be, you know, 350K first, right? And then yeah. spread the rest of that 150K out. I mean, that, that'd be my preference. And I feel like a lot of people would prefer it that way. Not, not that winning 500K yeah. wouldn't be awesome. But to me, it's like, I like having the millimaker as like, that's a unique thing. You understand what you're getting yourself into there. It's a very, very top heavy tournament. You can play that accordingly. But th- this is just a, it's a strange middle ground a bit. I, I would prefer it to be a little bit more balanced. I'm, I typically like the like 20% to first, I feel like is the 20, yeah, it seems that everybody has a, a ground in there that they like. For me, you know, I've always said I, I like the 10% to first. Like if this was oh, 175 be, be grand, I know there'd be, there'd be no appeal, of course. I get it. But I, I always like to see something like if the pool's going to be 1.75, I'd like to see 175,000 to first. And then like 17,500 to 10th, 10% of 10% of the pool to first, 10% of first to 10th, disperse it out however you want. And if you even want to get a little bit more aggressive, I know with poker tournaments, it took a long time, both online and live to get to this, but where you can go to like a 15% gets paid and it may even, you know, rejuvenate the cash game some, because then people say, well, it's only going to pay 15%. I'm not sure if I want to be in. Okay. Maybe the field sizes drop a little bit. It's still the same pool. It's still great money. We're going to talk about Coach Doug 24 in a second, his winning lineup. But I'm sure if you told him on Wednesday, you're going to win 175000 this week or even do a quarter million. I'm, I'm with you. You can do a little bit more than 10% to first. Do a quarter mil. Yeah. If you told him that at the start of the week, he wouldn't have said, ah, oh, but it could have been five hundred. He would have said, where do I sign up for a quarter million dollars on Sunday night? So Let's talk about it. I just thought was that was interesting. You know, people have feedback that can always post it out. I, I like giving the feedback when I can because I think the more we fight for it or if you want that, again, some people don't want that. Some people want, look, if I'm going to be playing for this, I want it to be extremely top heavy. I want to capitalize when I win and get this life-changing money. I just think for most that, you know, 250 or 175 would still be life-changing. So you got Coach Doug 24's lineup up there. Can you see this, TJ? Yep, yep, I can see it. Talk to me about this. Talk to me about what you see. I mean, obviously, as you guys know, if you've watched this before, the more we go through the slate, I try and mix it up a little bit to get some higher buy-ins and stuff so we don't see the same lineup. But obviously, the guys that did well are going to be in most of the lineups. That's why they, you know, they scored the most points. They're in the most lineups. Obviously, a very top-heavy, you know, high-scoring you know, high scoring week, TJ. But talk to me about Coach Doug's lineup and what you see there. Yep. First thing I see, I feel like it's the first thing we always see just in terms of the ownership breakdown. He's got two guys over 20%, two guys in the 10 to 20% range, and then two guys below 10%. So great breakdown from that point of view. And then just from salary allocation, starting with Webb, I think obviously everyone knows that that was perfectly fine to do this week and, and going to be a very popular play, 36% owned. When you play him, you know that you're getting him at that higher ownership, but you also know that he's just such a strong play in this field at this course that I had no issues going to him no matter what tournament you were playing. Uh, Horschel, great play. Kisner actually wasn't on my radar too much, which maybe was a mistake because, I mean, it's just the kind of course that works for him, right? Being a shorter hitter. I know he he didn't do much on Thursday, but then shot really low on Friday, I believe, like shot a six under or so on Friday. Redmond, I, I really like the Redmond play, especially at only 12% think that's a really strong one he he's someone that I'm always just kind of on great ball striker and then down low it's two 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 golfers that have the ability to go low you know you got Denny McCarthy the the putting god that that you want on a birdie fest like this that can drain him in from anywhere and then Hubbard was a guy that that you had in your hot takes as a top five yeah, Red, Redmond and Hubbard man and then yeah, Webb, like that. all of us and and Horschel and Horschel I mean, wow was, we could have made this lineup oh. we we should have made this lineup <laughs> this, this was the winning you know two two entries in a hundred uh, you know five hundred thousand up top yeah. I think the crazy thing about Denny uh, you know was that he is the putting god that's all we talked about I talked about it on my showdown show yeah uh, you know because of that for Sunday and whatnot and, and the main thing about him was if you go back and look at the stats for this week yeah didn't he, he do it on approach was, this week. Dialed something. in with the, yeah. the irons, the tee to green approach game was all there off the tee, everything. And it just was no, no putter in comparison to what he's used to doing. So, I mean, he should have blown the field apart, but you know, at 60, 6,900, 5% own, give or take and 117 DK points, pretty darn good for, for 6,900 bucks. So good lineup there for coach Doug 24. Great lineup. I should say, you know, we took down half million dollars, but I think, you know, like you said, a couple of things that stood out to me, the ownership, the, the build style 
and still way up there with total ownership percentage. I mean, it's a week where Webb was going to be high owned and you had to make that decision. But then to take McCarthy and Hubbard at the bottom made a bunch of sense to me. So I do like seeing that. Give a shout out to the guy in second here. Uh, Joe at tour picks on Twitter, actually a great guy helped uh, organize the DFS open last year. And, you know, everyone went down and golfed and did their thing. We went to top golf. It was a lot of fun and uh, you know, just a huge day for him. And I think he actually thought he was winning third place money of 75 K. And then on the last hole, it's not even on the coverage because they've already moved on to uh, you know, everything else that's going on and, and the background of Jim Herman in the, in the back of everything. but the Rob Oppenheim missed uh, par putt at the end bogey ended up jumping him up and these weren't dupes. These were unique lineups in second year, but I got him another 37,500. So, you know, Webb did a little different though. You know, M and Kim were the difference between Horschel and Kisner. And it just goes to show the, you know, the fine line between it. it's 10 points, but you know, just a two V two away, you know, Webb, Doc, Denny Hubbard looks like they're guys that are showing up, you know, McCarthy here. This is like a mashup of it. Interesting that there was no web in, in Moran J's lineup here. Moran J one, two, three had English and man, English was a nice you know spot to be. This is a nice balanced build still with a couple guys under a couple guys in the middle and two over 20 though. Right. TJ, you see it there yep. again. And it, you could get there with this English just didn't have the greatest week overall. Um, we'll drop down real quick here just to spend a little more time on this case stat. So case stats, the first person in the top 10 plus to use 150 lineups. So let's look at this slide up here. Tell me what you see with K stats lineup. Cause uh, K stats going to be a name that comes up again. Let's see. Uh, no, no web. Obviously the first thing that, that you noticed, I think Reed was an, an, another guy that's interesting to me in more of the birdie fest, just someone that can always get it done with the putter there. Horschel pretty much a critical piece in, in any of these lineups that, that are going to be up towards the top. We got Denny again. Kokrak's an interesting one. He wasn't necessarily on my radar. Varner, I liked Varner a lot as a play. He yeah. he came out absolutely firing on that the, the first round and then, you know, still played well there. It just shows how how low you needed to go this weekend to, to really be around there on Sunday. But Varner, another nice play there, nice ball striker. Im, I mean, Sunday's an interesting one because he was – absolutely on fire prior to the restart and then has been just kind of like mediocre ever since but seems like he got it got it back a little bit this weekend started making some more birdies so he'll be someone that I think we should be keeping on our radar going forward yeah. so he can get back that pre-restart form one thing I noticed for sure here a couple things for me and I agree with everything you just said we're going to look at K-Stats pool in a second certainly when you have 150 lineups you can take on a little bit more risk but K-Stat, at least in this lineup, we'll look at how much of each he had in his pool in a second, but was definitely trusting in going back to Sung J.M. and Jason Kokrak. You know, Jason Kokrak had just burned everybody the week before at the PGA Championship, right? Had that terrible back nine when people were on him, uh, you know, didn't get there for anybody. And then Sung J, like you mentioned, since the restart, it sort of just fell apart and was still at a decent price tag where you had to kind of make that decision. Again, as the week went on, people did steam him up. There was more getting on to Sung J as the week went on, just saying too good. Did not bounce back. This field's not as strong. Birdie makers, iron players, let's see them do it. And, you know, I talked about that on my Saturday showdown show for using them for Sunday. It wasn't really the best day, but he had a good day or, you know, a really decent day because of the fact that he didn't really have his irons on. So it's like if he gets these things back on, it's going to be, you know, lights out as far as him being able to go low. The course was definitely gettable all weekend. You saw that with, I think I believe, Herman himself even went lower on Sunday than he did on Saturday. So it was like, uh, you know, one of those things where guys could have back-to-back rounds that were extremely good. Maybe Webb went 66-65. I might have everything in reverse here. Like I said, it wasn't really, you know, the be-all, end-all of events. It was sort of a break in between a major and now going into the playoffs, which, like I mentioned, we are going to preview later. But, yeah, a little bit more trusting in those guys. Varner, like you talked about, just a crazy, I think it was his career-best first round uh, that he's ever had as far as the tournament goes, just was lights out, couldn't miss. Had a, you know, a great weekend overall, just never seems to put all four together, but he certainly did as far as DK scoring goes. And I think, you know, he talked with Amanda Balionis at the end, just a little bit of that interview was around the FedEx Cup playoffs, the safety of being in the playoffs, the mindset, being at home. And then an, another really key point that I've seen lately that has definitely been interesting. Uh, Jeff Feinberg's talked about on his shows, he does with Pat Mayo around guys that are in their hometown area 
that don't have to worry. So Doc Redman's one, Harold Varner's one this week, guys that are in their home area, and that's just a couple, that don't have all the fans, local friends, family that are begging them for tickets and bothering them to get in and having to accommodate to all these factors, and they just get to go out and play golf with where they're comfortable at. So that seems to be coming up a little bit more. And, and spoiler alert, Keegan Bradley, TPC Boston, decent stuff there in, in the past. And again, it's just an interesting concept to look at when you think about these guys. Last week was, uh, you know, the PGA Championship, not this week, just past, but week before. Colin Morikawa, Cam Champ, guys like that that were up there that either, you know, Max Homa, certain guys that either went to school in that area, played around there. there there's always different guys popping up. But, you know, Colin Morikawa comes to mind right away. It's been ongoing since the restart. So it's certainly something that we'll keep an eye on. Let's go over here, look at K-Stat's pool. Spend way more time on this one because I think it is interesting. And K-Stat did have uh, oh, it's a, a hyphen. Yeah, a hash. hyphen, sorry, yeah. Or whatever it is, yeah. I can't type. It's Monday, guys. Stick with us here. K-Stat, all right, here we go. Let's load them up. As always, this is all I did. Guys, if you haven't been with us before, you click ownership. You type in the start of the name. It'll show you. You can organize over here by who they had the most of. We'll go slow, but let's just quickly look to, let's look at uh, Kokrak. 2.6% and Sungjae. And if you guys aren't getting what following what I'm saying here is here's what the field was at. Here's how many points they scored. And here's how much of them K-Stat had in their pool. Uh, more trusting with M, but it makes sense. M was 5.81%. Back to Kokrak, he had 20.67, called 21. Kokrak was three, just took some flyers on Kokrak and just ended up in the right spot, but still awesome job to K-Stat. Total pool. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Let's have a look here. Big pool. So this is one of the, the balance pools. So 17 fits in here, 34... Wow. Yeah, quite, quite a few guys. I mean, this is one of those 80 people pool, basically not to go through everything one by one by one. But yeah, it, it looks to be around 75, 80 people. And, and then or as far as golfers go, and then it starts at 28% and goes down. The other thing I like to do here, uh, so you notice that right away, TJ, I won't go over to you just yet. But uh, looking at leverage, when you do something like that, what's, what's really the one thing that stands out to you as far as the overall leverage position goes, TJ? For this particular one? Well, like, yeah, just, just I want to, you know, what what do you think when they're going with 28% max, you know, on a week where web is 37%? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah. Uh, I think it's just taking a little bit more of a, of a balanced approach in terms of not taking a stand on a couple of guys, but more so of hoping that you hit the right combination of people that you like. So. And in a week like this, I kind of get that because in these birdie fests, anyone can be the one to go low. I mean, J Jim Herman wins the tournament, right? So right. you get exposure to a lot of different players without like planting your flag one way or the other. So my my thought would be that that's the, the thought process behind building a pool in this way. Whereas yeah. in the past, we've seen, you know, you could see pools where it's like Webb Simpson's in 70% and... English is in 60%. And then from there, they're differentiating. So it's just a, yeah, a way to give yourself a bunch of different outs to, to hit that big winner. Yeah, there's, there's certainly guys, I agree with you. There's certainly guys that went, you know, all in lock button on web this week or 60% web knowing that he'd be around 30, maybe 70, thinking 35 range, and they just would go with it and be happy. And clearly that was a, a good, good move this week. He scored well. I mean, it's, it's crazy how he scores like 
116 at that, but he's just the guy up there. So, but you saw there was, you know, the third place lineup was right there in the mix, 10 points back with English having a pretty bad week, 93 and a half to Webb's 116. And that was really the difference for that lineup, not taking it down. So it wasn't like you necessarily needed Webb based on how much some of these guys scored, you know, Billy Horschel slammed it at, at 9,100 or whatever he was. The one thing that stands out to me, and I, I really do like this pool and I want to talk about why, because I build these pools as well, you know, 150 plus lineups in, in the 50, uh, $25, $5, that sort of stuff. And what I like the way K-Stat took a stand is you'll notice underweight yeah. on pretty much on all, all the, the highest chalkies guys. Yeah. Yeah. And what I would say is, well, you know, you're looking at, you know, think about NBA, MLB, uh, the sports with stacking. What you're looking to do with the lineup for the most part, or typically is to tell a story with that lineup. Because if the one hitter, if the, if the number four cleanup hitter hits a grand slam, who does he hit in? Very likely. Nine, one, two, three, eight, whoever, you know, the batters are in that order. We're not a baseball strategy show here. It's just obvious concepts in DFS. And, and it's the, the, one, the reason I want to talk about it is because I'm going to try and relate that to PGA for you. And by taking 80 guys in the pool, K-Stat is already saying, and you mentioned it out of your own mouth just two seconds ago, is that it's, it's obviously a birdie fest. And you're right. We have no clue who's going to win this thing. Jim Herman wins it. K-Stat's story is with his pool, his or her pool, is I'm going to use 80 guys and try and get mass amounts of all of them. The story that they're going with is that you don't know. So that same story would be, why is the chalk the chalk? If nobody really knows and you're not going to get, you don't think the chalk is going to necessarily get there, you can be underweight on all the chalk and then automatically that gets you overweight. Look, 21-17, 22-17, it's closer there, but it's up. 21-16, 23-14, 13-13's close. And then you see a little bit of a mixture, but it's because of plays like this, where a guy like Kepka, they wanted to be overweight on. That's fine. And that's where they li- they capped it and went with it because they thought maybe no one would be on Kepka. Obviously a great leverage play. He'd still been in form. It was a couple bad finishes. One round at the PGA the week before, you know, the, the bad break on 17, then going in the water on 18 at the WGC. But for me, that's what stands out the most. They told a story. They stuck with it and followed through. And in the end, they end up with a pretty darn good finish as far as overall, you know, 7,500 bucks, not a bad week. You know, I think 3,750 was the, the total to be in. So good, good week for everybody. But that's what I like to look at, TJ, when we're going through and just try and find those little things we can pick up on. For those of you at home that are still following, I mean, the cool part to see is barely anyone, only one person in the top 9, 10, besides K-Stat at the bottom, had more than 10 lineups. Right. One, one, two, three, two. Change your life in a week with 25 bucks. It's still possible. So uh, don't let anybody tell you not to do it. Just make sure you're sticking within your bankroll and going through the, the process you want and feel comfortable with. Hopefully that one helps. Flip it over. We'll spend a little let, less time on this one. The one thing I find extremely crazy off the top is that in the five dollar, this is the five dollar drive to green. And you can see it here, TJ, is just the, you know, and there's K stat again in seventh. Right. So you see that. But if you look, a lot more 100, 133, 150. Uh, obviously, SHF52 just blew up the top with their pool. So we will go over and look at theirs in a second. But uh, no web in the winning lineup here. And I believe it was a dupe. Yeah, it was. So uh, very similar to the lineup, the mashup that we had earlier. Stands out pretty much the same, right? There, you don't need to go into it. I'm going to spend – I'd rather go look at SHF's pool, and I'll, I'll get over to you in a sec, TJ. But, again, 22 – 21, 17, 10, 9, 4. Cut it a little close, but it doesn't matter. It's just the point of how often do we see that coming up, that it's just crazy, right, that that's sort of the, the be-all, end-all. You look here, it's a one-off. I'll, I'll look at this because we are going to look at SHS pool since they littered the top. I just want to see what they did overall. Redmond versus Kisner. Oh, wow. So, yeah, 49-4. So that's interesting. Leave even more money on the table. And then their best web lineup was just another mashup with Seamus Power and Webb over some of the other guys like English and Davis and maybe one more one-off with, uh, with Werner in there. But no, it's the same. It looks like English, Davis to Power and Webb. So uh, good, good to see here. Let's talk about the pool, though. Flip over and I'll let you talk about it, TJ, here. What, what do you see with this? I'm going to load it up. Yeah, here you go. Boom. There you go. Yeah. Talk to me. I was figuring that's what we would see because typically when we see someone that is littering the top of the leaderboard with multiple lineups up there, it's because they took a couple guys and, and went overweight on them. So, I mean, I think I actually have no idea where McNeely fi- finished. I think not well, but I think going overweight, obviously on Webb, 
Cam Davis, Siwoo Kim, right there in itself. I think all three of those, or at least two of the three, were in all of those lineups that they had at the top. So just yeah. that that different approach of taking a couple guys that you want to get way overweight the field on. And wow, yeah, look at that, 30% Seamus power. So it's it's that more aggressive approach that is going to lead to weeks where you may completely whiff and and not even min cash a bunch of tournaments. But when you are right, you have that chance to be the guy with three or four lineups that are in the top 10 and, and fighting for that first place prize. Yeah, boom or bust for sure. But when you bust, who cares? You took your stands. But if you boom, $100,000 richer. And that's even with some unfortunate, you know, uh, had a dupe in there that somebody chopped with it. So it's, I can't really say unfortunate. It's $100,000 a week. It's a six-week week. I'm sure they're very happy. But like you said, that's what you get with this approach. But it's kind of one of those things. If you're going to just min cash a bunch each week and you're not really getting ahead, try this for a week, you know, and not to go outside what your normal process is. I'm talking more, if you are using your process and you find yourself always coming in, you know, the top 20 and just not getting there on Sunday or the top 100 of these large field tournaments, even I really wouldn't change too much. It's just, there is a lot of variance involved. You're still getting top 1% finishes. You need to keep going after those because eventually they will pan out and pay off. But if you find yourself just always min cashing and still being a hundred points back, you you may be spreading yourself too thin or doing some of that stuff. That's not really either the, the structure I just talked about where you're telling the story with your pool. It's tough to, you know, you can do correlated lineups with all bombers or something like for fun, but it doesn't normally, or wave stacks and things like that. It just doesn't always pay off. I want to see quickly here with the pool. I think when I did it last time, this was almost, you know, 20, 40-ish. Yeah, like 40 or less, give or take, right? So uh, yeah. half the size in pool, a lot of stances that are extremely overweight, but that's basically what happens. The other thing that you could do is, to your point, TJ, with Webb, Cam Davis and Siwoo at least, let alone Kisner and Billy Horschel and Doc Redman all being in their top 10. Um, you know, the other thing you can do is you can get things wrong, right? Like McNeely yeah. was wrong. It was one of my plays last week. I liked McNeely. I thought, you know, bounce back little narrative with his girlfriend, Danielle Kang, winning back-to-back weeks on the LPGA tour. I was going down that street a little bit, you know, maybe motivates him. He had had a great um, Barracuda, which is the alternate event played on when the WGC is going on. So I thought there'd be some love there, and clearly so did SHF52. But the other thing is, when you get your pool pretty right in the top 10, uh, really even more aggressive than like a card stance of just taking 28 guys and balancing that, it's or 20 guys and balancing that, this is taking 40, but then going really heavy at the top. If you hit four or five in the top 10 like they did, you can get a bunch of things wrong too. Like you can really get wrong on McNeely. And, and be wrong and, and still have a lot of stuff go your way. So any other thoughts on that before we move on? No, I think it's a, it's an interesting pool. And I, I just, I, I always tend to, to like personally like this approach just because I, I guess I have a little bit more of a, of a risk tolerance from, from week to week. So it's going to lead to, to <laughs> some weeks where you completely whiff. But if you're, if you're hunting for that, that one big week, I, I I like the approach here. I think it's a great pool and uh, worked out obviously nicely for him this weekend. Yeah, you said it, man. It is. It's risk versus reward, but at the same time, it's like I said, back with your process. If you find yourself just constantly not get doing numbers or getting anything going for yourself, you're almost better off. What's you know what's the fun in all these you know a few min caches and then losing your money anyway when you could be taking a stand that if you can get this right, you know even three or four of these guys up here right you still get a bunch mixed in down here from the 12 to, or sorry, the 20 to 2% range. You get like another 10, 15 guys that as long as some of those pieces hit in the right places, you'll find yourself in a really good spot going into the weekend. And then obviously you need the weekend to pay off. But at a spot like this, you were never out of it till you were out of it because people were scoring 61s, 63s all over the place. It felt like, so, uh, you know, good job again to another great job. SHF 52. Want to get into a little bit of the high-stakes stuff, and the reason I said earlier we would talk about K-Stat again because this is incredible to see. K-Stat, you know, had the, you know, couple finishes up there in the top 10 in the last couple tournaments we looked at, but managed to pick the Magic 5 because into the 555 that this is, you know, under 1,200 people, $550 buy-in, little bit more balanced pool, kind of, but a but little better for sure, uh, and K-Stat picks up with five lineups, first place, for 150,000 again, no web. What, what's your thoughts on this line? I bet, you know, a little bit different, but kind of the same. Yeah. It's a, another great lineup. I think we see, I, I don't know if it's the exact one of the lineups we've viewed before, but a lot of the same 
themes, right? We've it's got another mashup, there. right? Reed, Reed gets yeah. in there, and then more guys under ten percent in this one, which is kind of different than what we're used to yeah. seeing. Yeah, this is a pretty. I'd say that, especially for this tournament, this is a pretty low ownership lineup for sure. Because in the because as you get in the higher stakes, the ownership will, will condense a little bit more to the, the obvious plays. So I think when you're able to to pull the trigger on guys like Kokrak and Denny in a tournament like this, you're gonna get them at, at really, really high leverage. And yeah, this is a, it's a nice lineup. I mean, I think Reed was a pretty, pretty smart pivot to do off of Webb just because you're going to get him at less than half the ownership. And I mean, Patrick Reed can still go just as, as deep and win one of these things the same way Webb could, but Horschel and, and the M thing, I think we already talked about that a bit. So seeing a lot yeah. of the, the same plays, but I, I like the, the construction here again and it's it's a little bit more balanced in terms of like three guys of middling like teens low 20s ownerships and then three contrarian more contrarian guys under 10 and sometimes this just happens right you just nailed it there we were saying that and the big thing i would say is that you know look at this only one 7k guy but two 6k guys naturally yeah. contrarian versus what the field's likely doing and you look at the second place lineup three 8k guys no 6k guys naturally naturally contrarian and yes one is 10.6 but there's two others under 10 so again you're getting that natural contrarian lineup no web in that one either third place no web obviously no jim herman in anything but you know that's a side note but then look at greeny 10 in third place three no sorry four 7k guys no 8k guys so look how different these builds are right nine eight seven and two sixes eight 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 seven seven and then nine skip the eights Seven 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 seven, and and you can see that. But, I mean, that's just cool to see. Another thing is, you know, where's the you know biggest hit buy in here? Yeah, cast BRM down in twenty eighth with thirty six entries. Above that, like the top ten is littered with one to two entries, maybe five. Schmidt, our boy, you know, does the RG betting previews and stuff. Matt Schmidt, ten, 10 lineups in there. Shout out to him in sixth place. But I mean, if, if you look, it's again, you can take some shots, and K Stat proves that themselves with putting 150 in the five dollar 150 in the 25 dollar and just picking five and getting on the right five and, and so well it would be frustrating to not get there in the 25 and frustrating to not get there in the five it's always nice when you can take down a 555 for 150,000 right that, that'd be a win in Absolutely. anybody's book for the week so congrats to them and great job and then we'll quickly round it out with the 3k just because it's always something a little bit different but uh, 3k did you play it this week uh i did play did not do wow one percent and two percent. yeah <laughs> so there they were talking about this the ownership is a crazy lineup been... that's why i wanted to talk about it with you because wow. uh you play this tournament quite often i'll dabble in it here and there i did not play this past week obviously coming off a a sad week i mentioned it before the show the mega week was tough this week i had a slight loss but it was you know one guy here one guy there but it was a much more refreshing week when you're not sweating out 7500 dollars for a 12.5k min cash versus you know just losing five six hundred bucks in the week so i'll take that you know, Doc Redman hit on the T5 there, got a little back there for betting-wise, but overall down week, but it was more refreshing down week. What, what's your thoughts on Cornman 10? Because Adam Long and McCarthy and Siwoo, even Reed at 11, this seems like a really aggressive lineup, but I guess just all or nothing, or what's your thoughts? Yeah, I don't know. It's a pretty crazy lineup, in my opinion, for 101 entries. Um, not Nothing against Cornman 10. I mean, congrats, that's a great score, uh, but... It's it's very aggressive and not something that I, I would personally do in a field this small. I mean, I think that going with one guy way off the board is is plenty enough. But um, well, that, that's why he's got a hundred grand right now. And, and yeah. you're saying you don't. I know. I know. It's bad on our part, it's, but I, I think that's the the cool factor about it, right? It's like you said. It's <laughs> exactly. I agree with you. It's Anything extremely aggressive. But that's kind of what can happen, right? And in these events, like you mentioned earlier, and I agree totally, is that if you're in a birdie fest like this and anything can happen. I mean, there's nothing really to say bad about any of these plays. Adam Long's been playing some great golf, has the upside, won a tournament in a birdie fest against, you know, Phil Mickelson, Adam Hadwin standing there in the green right in front of him, drops an 18-footer and wins the thing. Denny McCarthy, like we say, just got to get hot with the putter. But if he does, look how much it can pay off. And he didn't even have the putter, 117 yeah. points. Let's look at a couple others. I mean, the, the funny thing, I, I just showed you it in the 555 how it went at three totally different builds. Talk about an ownership difference. This one with three, almost four guys under 10%. Look at Scouseberry, another reg who we see up here quite often. Nice line up here. But look at the ownership. Yeah. 
much, much, much chalkier there. 22, 22, 28, 24, 27, <laughs> and then sneaks in a Siwoo to be a little bit different. But I think for me, the thing that stands out with this lineup for Scousebury and second for 50K, again, it was just funny. Nobody wanted to play. They're all fading Webb, right? I, I want to go down in a second to see what Webb was. I'm sure he was still 30 to 40%. But let's just see if he was higher or lower versus the other stakes. Uh, but this lineup I love because no 6K guys. Right, yeah. just found a way to get there. English was the you know the fave play, and then in the nine K range, then you go down. I mean, could have left two hundred dollars on the table and used Horschel, and been right up there even further. But it wouldn't have got the job done. So it wouldn't have changed the money. But yeah, two a nine K guy, three eight Ks, and two sevens. I certainly like that from a unique's perspective. And Webb was even higher in this forty four percent. You drop down to fourth. Mikey W twelve, uh, you know. Same thing, kind of, but knew he had to have a couple. You know, look at Long. You know, Long's popping up here. He had there a good, you know, again. he didn't even have the grave of people. The two people that used him got the builds that they needed to get to the top and make some good money, return on their investment. You know, Mikey still gets one entry, 3K, five times back pretty much, and, you know, a little under with the 3180 buy-in in the rake. But still, uh, overall, good week. Go Sixers, go. Schmidt's up there again, our guy. These are, you know, two top players that you see often in these tournaments. Who did Go Sixers Go use? So, what's he got here? Neiman, you know, Neiman was one that looked like he was pretty popular last week. That not as many people, you know, used that that got there. But if you had him with the right guys, you know, look at Burns had a great week at seventy two hundred. Uh, Burns, Collie are two well. guys that were pretty cheap that that pretty much outscored their position by quite a bit. So that's something to look at for this week. Anything more on the reviews for this week, TJ, or that you see? I just want to make one more comment on the web situation because it's kind of interesting to me that we didn't because it seemed like one of those classic spots of like okay yeah web's the expensive guy that is like like the Bryson situation from the Rocket Mortgage where oh, he's the if you're gonna lock button someone this is the potential lock button situation yep. and he goes out and gets a T three and you still didn't have to have him in the winning lineups so I just find that interesting right you got a thirty six percent owned guy that yeah like does well and you still didn't need to have him to win. So that, that's just, I don't know exactly what my takeaway is from it then, but it, it's almost, it's just interesting. Like how, how he would have had to win for you to have to have him. It's just, it's, just, it's kind of interesting. I, I would have thought that we would see more webs in the winning lineups, but I guess just with the way it plays out and maybe, maybe the birdie fest also plays into that. Right. Because it, yeah, the, for sure. Cause you want a balanced team of guys that are all making a bunch of birdies versus targeting the finishing points in, in a tournament where maybe there's not as birdies, many birdies to be had. It's just an interesting. Thought. Yeah. I mean, you could see it in some of the builds like we looked at, right? It's because you can get a, a great lineup without, or maybe sometimes a guy like Webb will force in some, some plays that don't quite score enough, or it allows like people to think that all like, let's say everyone knows he's that high owned. So they'll go to a lower owned, you know, quote unquote scrub that's not the right one, right? They didn't get the Denny McCarthy or the Hubbard or the Long or whoever, uh, not even Long. Long just happened to be in those two lineups. He only scored 74 or whatever. But uh, the other thing is too, I think it is the birdie fest. Like I said, so as far as the takeaway goes, you see it sometimes, uh, but it's normally in something like a US Open where there's a lot of AMs and qualifiers in the low 6K range. So that's where you really sometimes don't need the 11K guy because even if they T3, anyone that you're putting them with is pretty much a miscut at the bottom. And that's, you know, you need those guys that come through and make that here. There's, you know, a lot of lineups you could have probably built with a thousand bucks or 2000 bucks left on the table and still had a bunch of heavy duty scores as far as overall scoring goes. Right. So there's that factor. Webb was still the better in that. But I think the one thing was too, is that the Bryson situation, I talked about this for myself, my own mistake of, you know, going against him at the rocket mortgage he really was the clear and away seven to one Vegas favorite, all these factors that he just was the, the class of the field here as good as Webb is. And as underrated, I still believe he is. It's going to be a good segue in a second as we do a quick preview for next week. But the thing there is that you still had the other, like how different is a re, is a Patrick Reed, you right. know, uh, or Harris English or Billy Horschel, all these guys to Webb. Webb usually gets hot with the putter. People don't like to believe the course history narrative, even though the ownership shows they're still on him uh, even more than some weeks than, than we've seen. I just like the lock button play in hindsight now for Bryson back then versus here where there was other guys that could get there. And look at that. Like you said, even in the end, he still really didn't show up on a lot of the winners, right? You, you just didn't necessarily need him because there's so many other guys down below that scored with him, 
right? Patrick Reed was only, you know, what, 112 to 116. Sungjae, only 10 points back. A $7,700 Russell Henley, only 14 points back. Like, there's just so many other ways that you could have got there. So, a lot to look at. Certainly interesting, like you said. We'll, we'll continue to do this week by week going forward. Let's take a minute here now to look ahead to this week. So, moving into the FedEx Cup playoffs, we've got the, you know, 125-man Northern Trust. You're going to look at, you know, the, the format of it. It's top 75. Is it top 70? Move on. Same cut rules in the top 70 move on, I believe, is, is how yeah, it goes. I always got to so. look that up each time to, to make sure. But, yeah, the, the bottom line is, is, you know, some people are in further than others, but this is the field. This is where we stand as of now. DraftKings got the pricing on early. Uh, doing the same sort of thing, they, they always, you know, move it around a little bit. But we've got a good balance this week. You know, two guys in the 11K range and Justin Thomas and Bryson. The 10K range has four guys with Rory, DJ, Morikawa, and John Rahm. And then the 9K range is a little wider. Xander Webb, Jay Day, Patrick Cantlay, Brooks Kepka, and Patrick Reed. Let's start at the top. JT Bryson, any you know weighing their overall opinion or just using them in general versus how stacked the field is? Yeah, once we get back to these stacked fields, I think it always tends to to be more balanced lineups. It's just when you're paying for one of the 11K guys and then you have to drop into the 6Ks, sometimes the gap between like a, a mid-high 7K and a 6K can be pretty large. And, and I'm sure that we got a stacked 8K range here. So I imagine that that both JT and Bryson will probably be a little bit on the, the more contrarian side just because that more balanced build, build tends to, to be what people want to go towards once we're into these stacked fields. Yeah, and I, I like that too, especially for something maybe higher dollar or whatever. Like that's where, again, we just saw with the 3K, the 55, where you can get your builds a little bit different and maybe not even need a 6K guy and still get there with it. But the thing about this is it's kind of the opposite effect of what I just mentioned before with the U.S. Open where it's AMs and qualifiers. I mean, this is the best 125 golfers for a reason. So you're going to know pretty much every name yeah. on the list from throughout the season. Again, some of them like Zach Blair or Scott Brown, Robbie Shelton types, Bo Hogue. You might forget about them because a lot of their points came from earlier in the season, well before the shutdown and all the restart and everything. But then, I mean, you've got Wyndham Clark, Troy Merritt, um, Adam Shank, names that you would have seen recently. And then even the, the further you go up, you know, the, you know Cam Davis is 6.3K this week. Yeah, we just saw how well he true. did last week and, and, and how much he scored. you got Mad McNeely. You want to go back to the well. A bunch of names. Hubbard, 6.6. Kevin Streelman, 6.7, usually popular. Harmon, not even over 7. At 6.8, Lucas Glover, do they dare? If, you, if you're going to be like uh, the guys earlier and go back on Kokrak, how can you not go back to Lucas Glover at 6.9, Burns 6.9? A lot of big names, right, that are down here. And even the sevens, low sevens, got guys like Bubba Watson, Neiman, Mickelson, Henley, Varner, all the guys that we've been playing. And then you get your sort yeah. of, you know, names that we used to play a lot of that we still know are great golfers and have showed up lately, like your Louis Oosthuizen, uh, Matt Kuchar, Mark Leishman. So, not going to name everybody, but just to see. And then, you know, we'll get back down to the sevens in one second. Let's move to the 10K range. Talk to me about what you see in the 10K from Rory down to Rom. What, what's your thoughts here? Just on day one, it's obviously opening look, but what do you think about yeah. this range? I think the first thing that stands out is that we'll probably have to get used to a, a five-figure Colin Morikawa, I would say, after yeah. that showing at the PGA Championship. And, I mean, why not? I think it's fully deserved. And, I mean, the guy's just a machine. I, I think that people will, will probably want to still go with him. I mean, I think I think that range right there, Morikawa, Rom, and Xander, I feel like is pretty uh, – people will be peppering that one pretty heavy. Rory, yeah. Rory's an interesting one. I, I just don't know, like, what's going on with him. And then didn't he send an interview, something about uh, – they were asking about, and he was like, maybe I'm just not as, as good as I used to be or something. Like, I, I don't know how much yeah. to read into that, but I, I, he just hasn't quite had it at all since the restart. and. Yeah, some people have mentioned know. the fans as well, right? Like, he, he just kind of feeds off that. Feeds I think the that. one thing that stood out even more, and I think it was even the same interview. I know the interview you're talking about, but the one thing he mentioned is without the fans, the roars, and know, kind of knowing as you're getting there on a Saturday or a Sunday and you're starting to make moves in the tournaments, is that he finds himself looking at the leaderboard more because he really – normally you know what's going on. You hear, you know, uh, I think about the, the Masters when Tiger won – and Brooks was teeing off on 17 as Tiger was throwing the dart on the par three 16th. And obviously the place goes nuts. 
But, you know, and the cool part about that was Brooks made his shot, piped it right down the middle with the roars in the background, showing, look, I'm still in control of my game. Obviously, he went in the water on 12 and made the mistake there. But the thought process was there, and to Rory's point, is that he's looking at the leaderboard more because he doesn't know what's going on without the roars and the cheers and all that. I think that could be a deterrent, right? Now you've got more going on in your head, more about thinking about what I need to do to pass him or, oh, shoot, this guy's two strokes ahead of me now. Uh, I got to make a great shot, more pressure, more factors. I would say not. I mean, I'm not a professional golfer for a reason, but looking at the leaderboards, I know in DFS really does you no good to see it and, and chase it. Kind of want to look on Sunday when there's nine holes left, then maybe that's your first look. But looking at it on a Friday when you're leading a tournament doesn't really help you much when there's two full days to go. I don't know if that's you know a factor in there or not, but I thought that stood out quite a bit. He certainly still has a great game, just hasn't been on his A game, and, and that can happen. Right, maybe heats up. Remember, he's a FedEx Cup champion in his own right. So, uh, a player of the year last year because of it all. So, I, I think over Brooks there was some stuff there, but I, I think he's still a good play. My thoughts is one thing I want to get your opinion on real quick is Morikawa ten point two, Xander nine point seven. Forget about we're not skipping Rom. He's excellent in his own right. But the reason I asked that is that if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I said to you it was fourteen hundred bucks less. I said forget this X chalk. I said, I'm going to play Morikawa as a $1,400 cheaper X. And not toot my own horn, I just, that's really how I saw it. If I put my mind on it, I could see it as like it made no sense to me. What has one done that the other hasn't? Even Morikawa was right with him in the playoff at the Schwab with Xander and then closed the door on JT. That's something X didn't do. Uh, X couldn't close the door on JT at the start of the year in Hawaii, I believe it was, right? They went to that playoff. X couldn't make the short putt down the stretch and then JT went on to win that. So just on the... Complete opposite effect. Their prices have now reversed. Do you play Morikawa at 10.2? First look, I know I'm not holding you to this. Or do you play X for that same reasoning in reverse now that now he's cheaper after being 14? That's quite the swing when you think about it. It's a $1,900 swing over the last two weeks. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. We we did. We both talked in there that, that we thought that long-term Morikawa was going to have the, the better career. And I, I still think that is the case and that Morikawa is a Agreed. better golfer. But yeah. now that the prices have reversed, um, yeah, you know, I, I'm still going to go back to Morikawa. I mean, I just think that his <laughs> consistency and his upside is just there. So Morikawa. Yeah. Still I'm me. rooting for Morikawa. I'm not a big X guy. I don't really care about him. I mean, he's good for him. Obviously we play this to win money and to, to enjoy the sport and have some fun with it and whatnot. And I'm rooting for all of them. I, I think they're all great. I'm rooting for the game right? The better the game does, the better for us. We love to see it. The game's in an excellent place right now. We've got like six more majors coming up. These playoffs are ahead of us, which not it's not the excitement like today. The NBA playoffs are starting had to rock a little NBA gear, even though the Bulls aren't in it. But, you know, the, the thought is still there for anybody who enjoys golf. It's nothing like this, right? Coming down the stretch, and especially when you get to Eastlake with the final 30, as we'll see in a couple of weeks here. So I'm excited about it still. I, I'm excited about both their careers, but a lot more about Colin Morikawa. Not sure what I see the ownership come out, what it's going to look like, but I'll certainly still have some X in the mix. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more through the 9K range, and we'll get out of here. But Webb, interesting at 9.5, and the fact that, again, I always talk about how underrated he is. Yes, the field definitely got better here, but, man, he seems to get overlooked quite a bit. There's another guy that's even more overlooked, in my opinion, that we'll get down to. Um, you know, give me thoughts on these next three, though. J-Day, top 10 machine all of a sudden? Who knows? 9.3K now, though. You're going to pay for it. Patrick Cantlay, overrated, underrated, or, or, you know, not overrated or underpriced, as I say, but sometimes people think, like, at 9.7, he's the greatest play, myself included. I was playing him at 10.1. Got to stick with him personally because of that. But, man, he just doesn't do anything. It's crazy. He doesn't win anything. He won the Memorial. That's it. You know, things like, or he's won more, but I'm just saying, you know, that's sort of it. And then Brooks back down at 9.1K. So I think those three are extremely interesting. Any takes there? Yeah, I feel the same way about Cantlay. I always like him and want to play him and do fly him. And yeah, you're right. He he just, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't do bad, but he doesn't do well. So that's, that's probably an interesting one for me to take a deeper look at. And then meanwhile, you've got Jason day who I never want to play and continues to do well. So uh, I think that I maybe need to, to rethink (laughs) my thought process there and start playing the guys that are actually doing well. But I think Kepka, I'm I'm off the Kepka train again right now. Just, 
Uh, I don't know. I, but yeah, he's broken. His price just keeps fluctuating too, like crazy. He like so weird. Like nine k to eleven k, back to nine k. Um, and, and it's like you said with Day, it's like you keep skipping him and saying, "Ah, oh, he won't burn me this week," and he does. Yeah. And he keeps saying, "Can't lay the other way. He won't burn me this week. He'll, he'll definitely make the cut. That putter will start getting hot, and he'll start draining things." And he doesn't do that. And then you get a flip flop of that, and then it's like, or do I just play the four time major winner? that almost won the WGC a couple weeks ago, but now he fought for one week or whatever, or one bad round of yeah. one bad week. And, but it's the playoffs now. Doesn't he want to win this? This was the difference between him winning the player of the year last year because Rory won it. And then they said Rory with the players, the Canadian open, which are big tournaments. And then the FedEx cup champion, he won player of the year over the guy that had the major and a pretty good year with the WGC. So again, it's crazy to think about. There's going to be a lot. This is the first look. We'll hit this stuff quickly. We're not going to talk a bunch about it, but I want to mention one guy way down here at 8K, Terrell Hatton. Yeah, he stuck out to me too. This is crazy to me, and I'll probably get chalk again. I know he didn't do the greatest. He burned everyone. He was pretty much, the, you know, him and Fitzpatrick, they put him on the same price. This is the price they were at at the PGA Championship, 8, 8K and 8.1K. They were the only two that basically if you had them in your lineup, you were done in the, three, in the big 7,500 yeah. mega or a lot of the other tournaments. But going back to them at that same price, I mean, they seem like good plays, especially Hatton. What's your thoughts on these two down at the bottom here? Yeah, I agree. Hatton definitely stuck out to me as a first first look. I know that he's obviously was bad at the PGA, struggled at the St. Jude as well. Prior to that, was having good results, but was was mostly getting it done with the putter. But I don't know. I just I just think he's a a good golfer overall, long term and. I mean, I, I I would figure his price to be like in the 85, 8600 type of range in this field. So I, I think going back to him, and, and like you said, he should. I don't know. Do, do we think he gets any love there? Or I, I don't. Like that's overlook. what I was just gonna say, and that's why I, I wanted like to get thoughts right? first. I mean, you got Hovland. Right. Yeah, wow. There's a lot of names in this area. Look at this range, man. That's why I said <laughs> we're not gonna talk about everyone because we're gonna get out of here. But Berger, Finau, Tiger will probably get a little love just because his record here. And then there was video of him on. Uh, 18 and on a couple of the putting greens. He was basically playing 18 at winged foot today with JT getting ready for four weeks from now. When we get back to the, you know, major golf at the U S open or five weeks, whatever it is, that's going to be exciting. That's a great course. I cannot wait for that event. U S open is always one of the fun majors for me. I, I like that one quite a bit. You know, you've got the the masters and you've got the open that both have their history. So they typically become the best. And, and I'd say the masters are the best Then maybe the open. And then for some, it would be, PGA always comes last, but we just had a great PGA uh, championship. So should be good to see. But then look, you got Matsuyama, Casey, Scott, Fleetwood, Hovland. Scheffler will probably go overlooked again. So those three may go overlooked because if you look below, we're, again, we're not going to go through them all, but uh, talking about them, but just who they are. Horschel coming off the good week, you know, getting hot for the FedEx Cup narrative. That's going to be a thing. Ricky Fowler, one of the only courses, you know, he only does well pretty much at the same courses. Look at the Waste Manager of Phoenix Open. Certainly, you know, has done well here. He's got a win at the TBC Boston, you know, back in the day when it was the Dell Technologies. So I think that's a, a good one. Wolf showed up at the PGA Championship. He's, you know, he's no maybe no more a cow, of course, as far as what anyone's going to say or do. But, man, it's not like he's a bad golfer. His win was on, like, his fourth or fifth start. He continues to show out. He's had some great results. He was right up in the mix on Sunday. He had a couple eagle tries that skated by that would have made this a whole lot more interesting if it had been him and Morikawa down to the wire in a playoff or something, that would have been absolutely epic. You watch any of the PGA Am over the, the weekend or yesterday to finish out, anything where it's head-to-head and it's not match play, obviously, in a playoff on the PGA, but the whole point of just getting that mano y mano golf is, is a lot of exciting stuff. So you need to see more of that on the PGA Tour. But then, yeah, look, your favorites down here. Hovland, Sungjae gets you know back in people's hearts as a good guy. Answer, everybody loves to play. Kisner yeah. off a good week. English with the massive price drop. Uh, didn't really burn people. He's just had a, a bad day out of the four. And then you've got your Lowry, Oosties, all those guys talking about Doc Redman again. So certainly a lot of lineups that will end in these ranges, but I think that's a good overview for this week. Anything you want to a- add overall for last week or this week going forward? No, not, not a ton much more to add. Looking forward to, to getting back to a, a strong field here. And uh, this will be one of those weeks where, Whereas last week you make every lineup and you're like, oh, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. This week you'll, you'll make every lineup and be like, oh, this, this lineup is definitely going to be the winner. So you'll, you'll yeah. be able to get a lot, lot more good golfers into your lineup this weekend and uh, should be, should be a fun tournament. Definitely, C- certainly a little bit softer pricing to your point. Always makes it fun for building the tournament selection out there is pretty solid. It's similar to this week. It's 
not that we're hating on it at the beginning of the show, just saying we'd, what we'd like to see a little bit different. I'm sure there's everyone has their own opinion. They're entitled to that, and that's why it's fun, right? We're all going to play. That's all I know. In the end, we're all going to still play these tournaments. So let's do it. Let's have some fun. You guys can follow TJ on Twitter. It's at TJL5124. DFS. Yes, DFS. Yes, correct. That's right. And then you guys can follow me on Twitter at Totag and Tambo. Hit me up there if you have any questions. Look for the Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast with myself and Kenny, where we'll do a much more in-depth, in-detail breakdown. And then, as always, for this show, if you guys can give us feedback, anything else you'd like to see, we're open to it, right? Let us know. We're trying to make it fun, unique each week as we go through it to try and give you the goods. But other than that, have some fun. Let's do a lot of good content this week, get together on a lot of it, and good luck. Good luck.